0: Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of Linux After Dark. I'm Joe. I'm Chris. I'm Gary. And I'm Dalton. Welcome back, chaps. Happy New Year.
1: Yeah, that's happened already as we record this, definitely. (laughs) Definitely, yeah.
0: We're not recording this in the past or anything. But as it's the first episode of the year, I thought we'd look back to the first episode of last year, episode 8, where we talked about our hopes for 2022. We'll also talk about what we hope happens in the Linux and open source world in 2023, but let's look back first. So, Gary, you hoped that Asahi would be in a place where it is bootable and could run either a basic Linux desktop
2: or is suitable for headless tasks. And uh, that has happened. Yeah, it happened pretty early on in the year. Uh, We did an episode about it. I don't think it's quite there ready for daily use yet, but wasn't really what I hoped for. I think I was hoping that it would more be usable for server tasks as a headless box. And yet, like you said, a basic desktop. And we've got that, right? We've got to the point where I certainly ran an M1 Mac Mini for the earlier half of this year as a home server. I've since retired it and moved on to something else because it needed some more storage. And we've just, you know, in December, gotten to the point where there is GPU acceleration now. Well,
0: it's funny that I said to you, do you really want to run a home server with that little storage? And you said, oh, it's
2: fine. It's only for compute. He lied. (laughs) Well, I had a kid in the last year, which comes with lots of storage requirements. (laughs) So yeah, the 256 gig that I originally had for my next cloud instance has been blown past very quickly. But I think if I had some external storage and could mount it over NFS, I probably could have made it work. But Ultimately, the 600 quid I could get for the Mac Mini putting it on eBay was uh, the winner.
0: All right, Dalton, you said you hope we can get projects working together in terms of taking features from each other. And you cited Flathub centralization and Snap
1: as an example of this. I listened back to that and I'm wondering where the heck that came from (laughs) (laughs) at this point. I must have been thinking about GNOME and KDE Wars more specifically, but didn't actually want to say it. Oh, right. Because the idea was just You know, sometimes a project will take a feature from another project and then all the fans of that one are, oh, we're so great, you know, for the next year. And I don't think I saw too much of that this year. Everything seems to have just kind of gone along, really. Do I have it right there? Was I just not looking or had things kind of got on this year? I think that
0: things have just got a bit more back to normal as the world has got a bit more back to normal.
3: Yeah, I think people were trapped in their houses, and it does strange things to your head. (laughs) And I think there was a particularly hot year in, uh, I think, 2021 for some public slinging matches. And I I can't recall that being as much of a thing this year.
1: No, I can certainly recall companies stepping in it, but not a lot of individuals in open source, certainly.
0: Yeah, I think lessons were learned. I think... Chris is right that it was just this weird time. And I think now people have calmed down and, as I say, learned those lessons and not had these huge blow ups. But I think that projects have been working together.
1: Certainly. I mean, we've seen the quintessential example is the Steam Deck, you know, bringing together a ton of different projects from uh, DXVK folks and all of Proton, KDE, and all of these projects whether they be GTK or Qt or some custom toolkit working to make software for the Steam Deck specifically i think it's been a bumper year for a lot of things but let's not spoil that too much well
0: let's get into Chris's one which was that you hoped to see the Steam Deck be a success not sell as well as the Switch but have strong sales unlike the Steam boxes and that has definitely happened it's been a rip-roaring success
3: yeah it's been great i think and and i was worried about people installing windows getting it and thinking oh this is cool but let's put windows on it because i'm more familiar with that or whatever and i have a, a very good friend who's a good example he's you know really into sort of technology and computers and stuff but he's not really into linux and he bought one a bit later in the year and he's not installed windows on it at all he's just kept the stock os It's just like a games console would be, you know, you accept the way that it comes, and the immutable factor is just like a software update on, you know, an Xbox or something. I realized the kind of strides that it's made because I recently set up a little thin client under my TV and I installed the flat pack of Lutris and it just dealt with wine. And previously, I've installed wine from the repositories and got dependency issues, and it was a bit of a nightmare to unpick them. So being able to just chuck that into Flatpak and have different versions of Wine that aren't messing up my system-level dependencies. Just like you said, Dalton, the kind of trickle-through effect, that's what I was looking for. I haven't actually bought a Steam Deck, but it's just that thing of tying things together and making things work more quickly and also knowing that it's Flatpak, so I'm not going to get those dependency issues that mean my host system has issues. So yeah, I I think... Aside from the sales figures and people playing them, what I specifically was looking for I think has, has happened really. It's bridged a lot of things and made a lot of advancements happen over the past 12 months that were almost there but not quite before that.
2: Yeah, I've certainly seen similar things. Say, I've seen a few Steam decks in the wild and I got talking to one guy who was just charging one on his desk at work. He's very much a not Linux user. In fact, I think he had said some quite <laughs> negative things about Linux on the desktop to me in the past and he was running the stock OS on it, asked him why he hadn't installed Windows, and his words were, I don't want to ruin it, it just works. And I think that's (laughs) as resounding of a success as it possibly could be in my eyes.
0: Yeah, I was worried about people installing Windows on it. I was really worried. I thought that was just inevitable. But ultimately, people stick with defaults. And I think I underestimated that.
1: Well, especially when the defaults are good. Mm. Something that I feel like hasn't been talked about a lot is that SteamOS was, you know, pretty good at launch with the Steam Deck, but it's really good now. I mean, to log into the thing, if you have the Steam Guard authenticator on your phone, you could just scan the QR code on the Deck screen and it logs in. It's like, whoa, that's amazing. (laughs) You don't have to type in your password on the on-screen keyboard or anything. They've just... It's little things like that that have made the experience really good.
3: Yeah, and I think people just don't gain enough. You you think about modding communities, the, the one I always think of is a smartphone. The reason why people flash custom rums is to get something out of it that's a bit more or a bit different or a different angle. And I just don't think you get that by installing Windows in the way that maybe we might have expected, you know, oh, this game just works. No, it works best because all the development effort has been put in because they're selling so many of these things that the studios are like, let's make it work on this as it comes.
1: The chicken has arrived. (laughs)
0: Well, I hope to see Harmony with GNOME and its downstreams. I hope that we wouldn't see any forks or movement away from it. And that pretty much has happened. What's funny is this was a real bet hedge because I'd predicted on Late Night Linux that we would see a bunch of forks and movement away from it. But I I didn't want to see that. I wanted to see Harmony. And like we talked about with yours, Dalton, I think we have seen that. We've seen people calming down, people learning to work together, work through differences, do it more kind of back channel, you know, direct messages and private emails and stuff rather than blown up in public. And things seem to have improved there. So I think it's been a pretty successful year generally in terms of what we hoped for happening. Yeah, actually.
2: It feels positive, definitely. Yeah, we haven't ended up with five forks of (laughs) name which is always a good thing. Okay,
0: this episode is sponsored by Tailscale. Go to tailscale.com. Tailscale is a VPN service that makes the devices and applications you own accessible anywhere in the world, securely and effortlessly. It enables encrypted point-to-point connections using WireGuard, which means only devices on your private network can communicate with each other. Unlike traditional VPNs, which tunnel all network traffic through a central gateway server, Tailscale creates a peer-to-peer mesh network. It handles complex network configuration on your behalf, so you don't have to. Network connections between devices pierce through firewalls and routers as if they weren't there, so there's no need to manually configure port forwarding. Tailscale is available for Linux, Mac, Windows, Raspberry Pi and ARM, Android, iOS, Synology, and for devices that don't allow additional software to be installed, such as printers and other embedded devices, where you can set up a subnet router to act as a gateway, relaying traffic from your Tailscale network, onto your physical subnet. So go to tailscale.com and try it for free on up to 20 devices. That's tailscale.com. Quick bit of admin then. Thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. You can go to linuxafterdark.net slash support for details. And remember, for $10 or more on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed that includes this show, Linux downtime, and late-night Linux. And you also get access to episodes a little bit early sometimes. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at linuxafterdark.net. Let's talk about what we want to happen in 2023 then. Dalton, what do you want to happen?
1: I hope that this year we see a lot more fun open source software getting released. So, of course, everyone's been talking about the Steam Deck, even us in this very episode. But I think that what it opens up for a lot of people is something that is Safe enough to tinker with that we are going to see people tinkering a bit. You know, make a flat pack installed on the device, see what happens. It's not going to break anything. And I think that safety leads to a lot of good tinkering in the way that single board computers have done the same thing. I feel like we're going to see more software for making games do interesting things or making the Steam Deck do interesting things that'll again trickle down. And I just hope that we see more fun light software, or even jokes in some cases. This one adds the Windows 95 screensaver as a flat pack. That kind of stuff. That isn't so serious. That reminds people that it is humans making this software, and it's humans getting together to do all of this. I don't feel like we've been lacking in any of this at all. But I do feel like because there are more people getting introduced to open source software via the Steam Deck, Especially a lot of younger ones who tend to make joke software. I just really hope that we see more of that this year. I want to see whoever the current Hannah Montana is, I don't know, has a Linux distro by the end of the year. It sounds to me like you want far apps. Yes, for <laughs> the Steam Deck.
2: <laughs> well, I think, I guess, more seriously, like there has been a tendency with some distributions to really start appealing to the corporate market, and they've become very stable and very predictable. Thinking about, yeah stock ubuntu for example they're not going to install a fart app by default right (laughs) but they are going to just make continual iterative improvements to make it a desktop that just kind of works yeah active directory stuff like that yeah stuff like that things that make it more usable for let's face it the majority of people so yeah i think just having those few fun projects out there to keep people interested in linux can't be a bad thing all right gary what do you hope happens so in a similar vein to last year, I'd like to see a Linux distro shipping on an ARM laptop that I can just buy from a tier one vendor this year. So yeah, we had Asahi on the M1 Max last year, and that was great. But I'm still giving money to Apple by buying one of those. And the experience isn't 100%. And I think it will get there. But I'm thinking something like the Lenovo X13S, where it's a nice Snapdragon machine. It's not overly expensive. And it runs an ARM version of Windows. So I saw some mumblings when I was at the Ubuntu Summit earlier this year that Canonical are working on a build of Ubuntu for the laptop. And what I really hope for is just to be able to go to lenovo.com and order that laptop with Ubuntu pre-installed and have it work this year. That would be great for me. Well, I've got a list of various hopes.
0: And one of them is I hope we get on top of the ARM situation, standards, etc. in my notes. You know, like you've got the ARM server-ready stuff on the uh, server side of things. It would be great if we could get some sort of standards like that on laptops. It seems a bit far-fetched, but that's my hope, that we can get to a point where you can just have much more generic ARM images like you can with x86. It seems so far away, but I hope that we start to move that way this year.
1: Is the x13s not like that? I would expect that the firmware would be Lenovo's usual quality, but would at least be present. Well, from what you said, Gary, they doubt they
3: could ever get the webcam working under Linux on it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's just drivers. That's not firmware. That is a problem, but that isn't anything about standards. It's just the thing is attached via SPI instead of whatever else, USB.
2: Like Jay said, having it at a point where there is just a standard and I can just flash an image would be the ideal thing. But I think we need to get somewhere first where there is mainstream ARM hardware running Linux. So yeah, drivers and firmware, et cetera, aside, I think what I'd really like to see this year is just a first step where I can just buy something that's not a Raspberry Pi or an SBC or isn't something that I'm hacking Linux onto myself like an M1 Mac. It's a decent piece of hardware that was just designed to run an operating system that isn't macOS that I can just use, right? That's ultimately what I want.
3: What about you, Chris? So when Wimpress wrote his Ubuntu Mate 22.10 release notes, he opened it with a very well-written statement saying the number of features was less than previous interim releases, which is traditionally kind of the experimental area between the LTSs, because he's been working to bring up the Mate experience on Debian when you install it to a similar level, including things like the Mate tweak tool and the Ayatana indicators that are in Ubuntu Mate. And I would like the option to go to Debian. And my biggest frustration when I've installed Debian with Mate is that it is so, and I think it's the same for a lot of the desktop environments, it's so vanilla when you install it. It's just like going in a time machine. It's just the default template, the default layout, No paradigm changes taking any kind of modern desktop paradigm that people use into account. So I'm quite looking forward to the Bookworm release, which looks like it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle of 2023, to see what that's like. Because we've discussed before about Ubuntu and Canonical and the direction. And I'm not sure what Canonical might do in the next 12 months will sit well with me and I'd like the option to not necessarily use Ubuntu anymore. And I'm pleased because I'm always interested in what Winpress is up to. You know, he's he's now writing a desktop environment in Flutter, for example. So I hope that this is successful and becomes an alternative option if I continue to not necessarily like and agree with the direction that Canonical and Ubuntu takes. So that that would be my biggest hope, I think.
1: Chris hopes he can hedge his bets against Ubuntu this year. (laughs) Yeah, which, I mean, we're kind of in that position
0: already. It's just a fair bit of work to get Debian to be as nice as an Ubuntu flavor because. Exactly, yeah. The likes of WinPress and the Zubuntu team and all the flavor teams, you know, they spend ages making it a really great experience. And there's nothing stopping anyone doing that themselves. But you just want that to be easy, is what you're telling us.
3: Yeah. And if I decide that I want to install it for other people, for example. Because yeah, of course you can do that uplift, and you can get hold of the various themes, the layouts, but to have that work done and have it brought up, so that when you install from a live ISO, it's done and ready, then yeah, that that would be great. So I, it was music to my ears when I read those release notes, and that was the first thing in them. Well, it's funny that what I hope happens is
0: somewhat related to that, I think. Because he said that you wouldn't necessarily be that happy with some of the directions that Canonical will go in in 2023. Hmm. And I think I would be happy if they went in a certain direction that would piss a lot of people off. And so what I want is all the proprietary software to come to Linux and to work well on the desktop. Hell yeah. I'm talking games, Adobe, Microsoft Office, accounting software, CAD software, you name it. I want it to all come to Linux. And I think that realistically, the only way that's going to happen is with something like Snaps and potentially even building on the work that Valve has done with Wine and Proton. I know that's obviously aimed at games, but I'm, I'm just hoping that that can be built upon and, you know, all brought together with Snaps, let's say, and then we just get all of that horrible, dirty proprietary software as an option on the Linux desktop.
1: You know, a really long time ago, I talked about one of my clients who works with accounting software and uses a very old version of Peachtree. And we recently replaced his computer with one running Windows 11 from Windows 8.1. It had classic start on it, don't worry. (laughs) And I mean, the software works. It still functions about the same it did in Windows 8 as it did in Windows XP. But just as an experiment... I tried to install it under Crossover Office on Linux, and it all worked perfectly. Of course, I didn't really want to move him over to Linux because he's got like some old check writing software and stuff too. That's just, <laughs> nope, I don't trust like that. But I was really amazed to see that, you know, it's older software, but it works not only as well on Linux as it did on Windows, but better. It's faster. It's Weirdly slow on Windows now. It's just I think we might be getting there.:
3: It would just be nice to go to a web page. I had this with my wife recently and not to see that thing where it just says, "Uh, oh, just download our application for Windows or MacOS." and it just ends. That's it.:
1: Or worse, Windows or Mac OS or Tux. <laughs> this is going to piss people off though, if this does happen.:
3: A certain crowd, but I don't care. Well, yeah, it's, it always comes down to the same thing. It's like people that like cool bands and then other people like the cool band and they're like, oh, I never like them. I, I think they're shit and mainstream. That's always going to happen. And, you know, it depends what what you want out of it. But I don't want to have to switch to a different operating system on the occasions when I want to have to use some software. And there are, as we discussed with the phones and the banking apps and stuff like that, it depends how you live your life. And we've had plenty of people email in saying, no, no, I totally don't do any of that stuff, which is admirable. But I've got kids, for example, they go to school. If they tell me, we need you to do their homework and we're going to serve you the homework via this app, I'm not going to go, sorry, that's a proprietary uh, app. I'm not going to use it. Because they're just going be like, okay, your kid hasn't done the homework and they're in trouble. I mean, what have I won there, really? I mean, unless I start writing a fuss app, which again, some people might do that. But... um I sort of agree with you, Joe. I think it would be problematic for me if it started to be baked in.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't want to see it pre-installed, no. Yeah. I want to see it as an option. I want to see it as easily installed. Yeah. I'd love to see Snap install Adobe, what what do they call it, Adobe Suite or whatever? Creative Cloud? Yeah, and you know, I'm not going to use it personally, but if it was available, then it would bring more people over to Linux. People who are pissed off with Windows or macOS. People who want to be able to build a ridiculously fast Ryzen system, install Linux on it.
1: And actually get the performance they paid for?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I I think that we are getting close to having the technology available to make it easy enough for these big companies to make the switch. And I'm not going to predict that it happens, but I, I hope it does. And
2: I hope that we start to see it this year. Yeah, agreed. I think if you don't like being able to snap install Photoshop, then you can be for Debian.
1: Apt purge Snapd. Yeah,
0: exactly. Or DevOne even, and not even have to deal with System D.
2: Or Hannah Montana
1: Linux. That actually might be pre-System D, you're right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let us know what you want to happen in twenty twenty three. You can email us show at LinuxAfterdark.net. But we'd better get out of here. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, but until then. I've been Joe. I've been Chris. I've been Gary.
1: And I sound slightly better than Joe's chair. (laughs) See you later.